Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Understand today that God didn't make marriage and this thing that we do of life to be miserable. He did it so it would be enjoyable. It would be a blessing to us and to him. What really God says there in those three verses we just read is this. God says, everything you need to do life and marriage, I provided for you. Enjoy each other. Enjoy life. Enjoy me and have a great life. That's really what he said to them. Too many couples' marriages today leave a lot to be desired, dissatisfaction with many aspects of the relationship, and little or no desire to fix the problems without reciprocation from the other partner doom the marriage to mediocrity. Pastor Mark will be teaching that God's original plan for marriage contains so much more happiness and satisfaction. You'll hear what messed up the original marriage and many that followed. You'll learn what you need to do to become a better partner to your spouse and what God's role in your marriage should be. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 19 as he continues his message, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. Turn to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Marriage is a lot like white water rafting. Anne and Andy are here, and this raft is a picture of their marriage. Andy and Anne, and they're going through life together. And we learn something as we begin to look at the design of marriage that Andy and Anne are not, as a married couple, doing life alone. But God is with them on the river of life. Marriage was God's idea. And it all starts with the husband having a personal relationship with God himself. And the wife have a personal relationship with God as well. Both of them Christ followers. God is the head. And they're flowing together in this unison. Now, I gave it to you kind of in a a wording. This is just really review. Marriage was designed by God to be a threesome. God, one husband, and one wife, all three of them in relationship, one with another. Now, As that begins to happen, and I'll be God getting into this wrath, what does that look like in the marriage? Well, when we get married, marriage is not a twosome. God is part of our marriages. 
The design is perfect. What is that design? Monogamous. There's only one spouse for us. That's the way God made it. Also, God made it that it would be permanent. He glued them together. Marriage is not a contract where I do this if you'll do this. Well, you won't do that, then I won't do that. See ya. No, that's not marriage. That's what the world does. Marriage is a covenant. And we also learned not only is monogamous, not only is it permanent, but it is heterosexual. God didn't make another woman for Eve. He didn't make another man for, well, Steve here. There's no Steve and Adam. There's only Adam. So homosexuality is an abomination to God. It's a sin. It was never designed by God. And also we learn, and we'll see a little more of that today, kind of fun part. There's intimacy that God put together. When he put them together, the Bible says they were naked from Georgia, naked, and had no problem. It was perfect. Everything was great. Now, what kind of intimacy is that? There's spiritual intimacy, relational intimacy, and then, of course, there's physical intimacy. Now, with this threesome, what is the goal? This is our next triangle. It's oneness. It's a team. We're to be together. We're to flow together. We're in unison with God. We have the same purposes and goals. We're in unison with our spouse. And we flow together in this thing called marriage. The problem with that is this. We are to be a team. But God designed the man and the woman Very much alike, but really very different. Now, how many of you are women here? Raise your hand. Oh, that's good. Okay. How many of you are men here? Could I see your hand? Good. Okay, we got that covered. Now, why do I do that? There's a neat book called His Needs, Her Needs. And in that book, the author, Willard Harley suggests that men and women have a different priority system. In other words, there's things that are higher priority for one, to show our differences. Now, for those of you that are ladies, women, you know who you are, you raise your hand. I want you to understand the men's priority system. So you can begin to think about that. Let me list the top five things in order that men desire. Number one, it won't surprise you ladies at all. The number one thing for men is sexual fulfillment. Every 10 seconds, there's testosterone flowing through our minds. We're always thinking about it. And we hear that quite often. That's all you think about. We hear that quite often. (laughs) Number two, what a man wants is recreational companionship. Somebody to enjoy life. But number three, a man priority, he wants an attractive spouse. Number four, Domestic support, that the home that they're making together is a place of peace and joy. And number five, a man's priority? Well, it's the word respect, adoration. He wants his wife to respect him for what he does. Now, you men are here. You already know who you are. I'm going to give you the five priorities for women. So listen up. This is for you. By the way, very different. Number one, priority for woman, is affection. Now, most men think, well, it's the same for me. Kiss my wife, off the bedroom we go. That is not affection. 
And it's very different. So it's affection. It's not affection that leads to some place. It's just affection. And number two, interesting, this won't surprise you men. Number two priority for women, conversation. Words. And lots of them. Number three, very interesting, honesty and openness. Number four, financial support. Number five, family commitment. You see, if the wife is going to have children, she wants to make sure that that husband is working and providing and also engaged with the family. So those are his needs, her needs, just in short, kind of five differences that they have. So God, even though he made them very similar in many ways, they're significantly and wonderfully different. Now, what do we do with those differences? Well, sometimes those differences lead to silly arguments, things that we fuss about. So we're very, very different. Well, with that, what happens? Why did God do that? For one reason. God wanted to take Andy and Ann and make them different so that they would grow spiritually. They would begin thinking about their spouse's needs above their own. You see, God's main goal in our marriages is not just to make us happy. For sure, this floating on the river of life is to be happy. But what he's really trying to do as we go down together as a threesome is make Andy and Ann more like him. Bottom line, God wants to make us holy and happy because we are to represent him to the world, that God's design is perfect and God knows what he's doing. So as we go through, write this first statement down. We learned it, but I want to reinforce it to you. Marriage not only solves our loneliness, by the way, those of you that are dating, that's why you're dating, because you're lonely. That's what marriage does. But it doesn't just do that, but marriage multiplies our effectiveness. You see, when God puts a man and a woman together, it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals 27 or 45. We become much more effective as a team than we were individually. We're more balanced. We're more focused. We're more effective because God puts us together. It multiplies our effectiveness. Now, what is one of the goals in marriage? Is to say to the world, God is a good God. And you want to do marriage his way. So that makes my goal of working with God, my wife's goal of working with God, to advance the kingdom of God. We become much more effective. But what's next? What takes place? Just think about this. Here's Adam and Eve. And they're together. And they're in the garden. And God put them together. But now what? How do I do this thing called marriage? They'd never been married before. They didn't know what to do. What do we do with marriage? How does that work in our lives? How does marriage work? What are the directions we need? What are the instructions we need? By the way, where are the instructions going to come from? Is it going to come from the Oprah show? 
Well, there was no Oprah show. Where would it come from? It would come from the voice, the mouth of God. It would be revelation. Here is how to do marriage. So once the design is in place, the next thing are directions. How do we do this thing called marriage? Now, you've turned in your Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Scoot on down, if you will, to verse 26. And we will see what this all-knowing God says to Adam and Eve. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over the earth and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Notice already in these two verses, we see this. God, 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 God. Them, 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 them. God is always involved with them. It's a unit. He's flowing together with them. Now, verse 28, I want you to circle the first two words. God blessed them. What we see there is God wants our marriages to be blessed. Well, the only way that can happen is to listen to God. So God blessed them. And notice the next word. And said. Here's how to do marriage. Here's what I want you to do. Here are the directions for life. They're very clear. He said to them, be fruitful. Increase in number. Have sexual intercourse, have children. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we learned last week that God's design is perfect. Here's the second thing you want to write out of the four keys. The next two weeks, we'll have the other two keys. Here it is. Number two, marriage. God's directions are clear. As I said, notice it's all about God, his design, his direction. God said, God created, God blessed, and God commanded them. The directions were for Adam and Eve as a team. Here is how to do life together. And of course, that one man, one woman rules out the things that the world does today. It rules out they're married, they're together. It rules out fornication or sex before marriage. No, that's a sin. The marriage bed, Hebrews 13 says, is to be pure and holy. It rules out adultery. No, everything that you do sexually is to be between the two of you. It rules out polygamy. There's not additional people that are to be involved in that marriage. And of course, we've already said it rules out homosexuality. It's one man and one woman. So God begins to bless them. Understand today that God didn't make marriage and this thing that we do of life to be miserable. He did it so it would be enjoyable. It would be a blessing to us and to him. What really God says there in those three verses we just read is this. God says, everything you need to do life and marriage, I provided for you. Enjoy each other. Enjoy life. Enjoy me and have a great life. That's really what he said to them. Well, how do we do that? What are the two commands he gave? Two. Number one, he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth with children. 
See, God commanded Adam and Eve to have children, to be fruitful. Someone has written it like this. Have some babies, raise some children, play with your grandchildren, start a family. Now, why did God do that? You see, he wanted to take Adam and Eve. He said, I've designed you sexually, so everything works. Take that intimacy that you have for me and create children. Now, with those children, understand what happens. As that began, there's no government, there's no school, there's no church. So the next thing you want to write is why we have children. God designed the home, marriage, as the basic building block of all society. So when Adam and Eve would have children, and God would begin to talk to Adam and Eve, the children, when they're old enough, would say, who are you talking to, Dad? Who are you talking to, Mom? Well, that's God. Well, who is God? He's the one that created you. So God's goal was to have a mom and a dad who knew God, to have children who would eventually know God personally because they watched mom and dad and go, well, that's the way to live. And pretty soon, that would be the foundation from the whole world. Now, I want to ask you a question. When that happens, and Satan knows that the home is the foundation from the world, what do you think Satan's going to try to do? He's going to try to destroy the home. Let me ask you a question. How's he doing? He's doing very well, thank you. Well, why? We're going to learn why today. And when we go into the garden, you're going to see how that actually works. All the temptation, all of those things together. So, first thing is, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with children. Make family, that home, that basic building block. What was the second thing? Notice he said to Adam and Eve, you're to govern and you're to manage, number one, your own lives. But then you're to manage the earth in all the animals and all the resources I'm giving you. Turn with me to Genesis 2.15. You're one chapter away. How will that work? How do we manage things? How do we govern things to make them pleasing to God? Our family, our lives, our children, our world, our resources. Well, we discover how in verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to circle it, work it, and take care of it. Here are more directions, more instructions from God. Now, God would provide for Adam and Eve everything. You saw that. I've given you everything. But they would have to, four-letter word, work. W-O-R-K. Now, I want you to know something. Some of you tomorrow morning will get up and you'll say this. I wish Adam and Eve hadn't sinned. I wouldn't have to go to work. I hate work. You need to know verse 15 is before there's any sin. So what does that mean? That means that work is good for us. And by the way, marriage is a lifetime of hard W-O-R-K. How do I know? 44 years in moving. That's how I know. So, work is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. See, in our country today, we're like weird. 65, I can't wait to never work again. No, you can retire, but you need to still work. See, we need to be active. And so, work is actually good for us. Now, 
Someone has written that statement we just read about take care of the animals and all this very creatively. Listen to this. It's all yours, Adam, Eve. Take care of it. Rule over it. Study it. Learn from it. Develop it. Have a ball. Enjoy yourself. Go exploring. Crack open a coconut. Plant a garden. Grow some vegetables. It's paradise. It's brand new. And I've made it just for you. Is that the way you look at life? Do you look at life as this is exciting? This is fulfilling? Even though it involves work? Do you understand that what God wants to do in our lives is make this thing we call life enjoyable? By the way, it can only happen with him. Sometimes we get in ruts. And life with its amazing things that God's put into it, we just bore it to death. Boredom destroys many marriages. So I want to challenge you today to understand what an amazing God we have who loved his creation enough to put a man and a woman together and say to them, here's marriage, have families, and rule the world, including yourself. Now, to be able to work and to follow through and govern and to raise children, well, it would require some rules, some commandments, some direction, so that we could do life right. Everything that we see so far, God says, do this. Do this. Do this. Look down in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. In other words, do this. Explore the trees. Let's say there were 600,000 trees in the garden. We have no idea. Let's say there were 600,000. The next statement you're going to see from God is, do this, but don't do this. You have 600,000 trees to enjoy. Spend your life just having a ball. But one of them, don't go by it. Don't get around it. Don't take from it. Leave it alone. Now, some of you would still say, after 600 yeses, one no. Well, God's a mean God. He's an angry God. He's a stingy God. What is wrong with you? No, he's a great God. And so most of the commands that we have from God are do this. Because God knew what was right. But he does give us, don't do this. Why? Not because he's bad, because he's good. Look at verse 17. But you must not eat, don't do this, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, he even tells them what will happen. You will surely die. You see, God the creator, man the created being, means that God had the right to tell man what he could do and what he could not do. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about the original intent for marriage. It wasn't only to start families, but as families were created, those became the basic building blocks of society. You were reminded that the original intent hasn't changed. Families remain important in God's eyes, which is why Satan has worked so hard over the years to corrupt the idea of marriage. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. 
Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his series, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. He'll continue to unpack the idea of marriage and families as the basic building blocks of society. You'll be told about the effect of Satan's corruption of men and women and the resulting corruption of relationships. You'll also find out God's plan of how to repair the rottenness that happened. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue through this series called Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.